0: that we would be responsive to the Lord's guidance as we reach out to the lost sheep of the House of Israel in the greater Los Angeles area. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this message. Now, what I'd like to talk about a little bit this morning is uh, who we are, what we are doing. You know, basically, when congregations come together, there are basically four issues that all congregations, churches, consider. They consider their mission which is what I want to talk with you about this morning, why it is that we exist, what we are tasked with, what is our calling, what is our mission, what's our purpose. Then congregations think about their vision. What long-term changes do they want to make as a result of the mission God has called them to? So vision is different than mission. Mission is, what are we here for? Vision is, what are we going to do? Now that we're here and these are things we're going to accomplish initially, And presently, what is it we want to bring about for the long haul? What kind of dramatic change do we want to be a catalyst for? A third thing that needs to be thought about is what then are our values? What are the things that we cherish? What are most important to us? And lastly is what is our strategy? How do we go about doing it? Generally, our mission and our values will not change. Generally, the vision and the strategies do change depending on how things emerge. And so there's always a need for some flexibility, there's always a need uh, for movement, there's always a need for risks, there's always a need for service and for doing. Now this morning, what I really want to talk about, in light of the new phase, new moment, new chapter in Beth Ariel's history and existence, what is it that we are to be about so this morning I'm seeing our ministry or our time together as almost a dedication of Beth Ariel. But what is Beth Ariel? Beth Ariel is you and me. Beth Ariel is people. It's not a building, it's not even a program. It's the individuals that make up the community that refer to itself as the family at Beth Ariel. Or as Carlton said, the well you use the word family, the community, the congregation that is gathered at, uh, together for the common goal and common purpose we have Now in Ephesians it says be very careful then How you live, not as unwise But as wise Making the most of every opportunity And that's what sort of latched on to my own heart and mind and soul As I was thinking about this moment And thinking about, okay, where do we go from here? We are at a new phase There's new leadership There are new members, there are new attenders, there's a new location. We really have the opportunity to do almost anything we want as God would lead us. We're not stifled, we're not constrained by anything. We can do exactly as God would have us to do. It's the ball is in our court. It is a new phase doesn't mean we disband with the traditions of the past. We honor them. In fact, one of, you know, I've told you that I've been reading this book, Strength Builders, and one of my strengths is what's referred to as contextualization. That is to say, for me, this is the way I'm made up. It's important for me to look back to what was in order to think about what is to be. So when people are with me, they may find, how come we oftentimes looks back to things in his life or talks about himself so much. It's not that I want to be so self-focused or, uh, or just conceited or just interested in my own self, but I'm wired in a way that looks back to the past in order to look forward to the future. There are both good and bad things about that. The bad thing is I can get mired in the past and be content with the way things work. There is a part of me that does accept that. uh, That part of me accepts that, not because I'm afraid to take risks, but because it takes a lot of work to change. And sometimes I feel like, well, we'll just do what we did because it's just too much hassle to try to rearrange the pieces to do something different. But the unfortunate thing is, if you just remain the same, all you will accomplish is what has been accomplished. And what we want to do is something different. We want to be a catalyst for a tremendous amount of growth among Jewish people who do not know the Lord. That's not to say that we don't want to see non-Jewish people here worshiping with us. We do. And if we packed out with non-Jewish people, I would rejoice. Believe me, I would rejoice. Like Paul, I would magnify that experience. He said, I rejoice that he was an apostle to the Gentiles. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But we have a calling. To make sure whoever we are, Jews and Gentiles, no matter what proportion, that we are about the mission God has called us to, and that is to particularly, though not exclusively, be a light to the Jewish people. To be relevant to the Jewish people. To be annoying to the Jewish people. We want Jewish people to know you can be Jewish and believe in Yeshua as annoying as that a message might be. We want to continue to make sure they hear that message. It's becoming less annoying... Praise God Less annoying But for some people It's still pretty annoying But we're not going to allow Their annoyance To keep us from Proclaiming What we need to proclaim In a way That is particularly relevant To the Jewish people So it doesn't matter Whether we are Jews Or non-Jews What matters is We as Jews And non-Jews Are remaining vigilant About the calling To the lost sheep Of the house of Israel Because that's the Contextualization part Of Beth Ariel Now But we need to also, and here's the positive, the positive part of contextualization is not to make the mistakes of the past. And so it's good to have people who think about the past so as to remind us of what didn't work as well as what had worked. So we are in a position to take advantage of every opportunity to do what is Right as the Lord has instructed us. So he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, Paul's talking about righteous conduct. I'd like to apply that not only to the way we live our lives in terms of the attitude, the conduct, the characteristics we need to manifest. But also in terms of what we are to accomplish as a body that is living in a righteous and holy way. So, now, here's the thing. Here's what I understand our mission to be. Someone had asked me, Tony, I think, you had written to me, and asked me about vision missions. So, it got me thinking about it. So, don't think that your emails don't affect me. You know, I I don't just say, oh, it's from Tony. No, it's Tony, I read it. So here it is. First of all, I think what our mission is, is to be a healthy Messianic congregation. Now, I'm not going to unfold all of that, but two key terms are in there. What does it mean to be healthy and what does it mean to be Messianic? Being Messianic means different things to different people. That's not our concern. What our concern is, what does it mean to us? And we have the privilege, the opportunity to define it however we want. To define it how we feel it fits our body. Now, it may not fit every individual person in our body, but it will fit every uh, in the general context of who we are. And so we have to make adjustments to some of those things. So we'll be talking about what it means to be messianic. It also, the key here is what does it mean to be healthy? And for me, when I think of healthiness, I think of the word Balance. Balance. You know, it's sort of like a balanced diet. Healthy people are people who are not overextended in one type of food group or another. They're sort of balanced, eating a balanced diet. They get balanced exercise. They take upon themselves balance of responsibilities. So being healthy means, to in my view, is to hold things in balance. Now, when I think about this... Um, And these are four things I'd like us to have sort of on our mind. When people say, what is Beth Ariel about? This is what we are about, four B words. We're about believing. I couldn't think, uh, the better word is to trust, to be in love with. But I wanted to keep it all with Bs, so I used the word believe. But I don't just mean to believe about something. I mean to believe with our heart and soul. So we want to believe, we want to belong, we want to become, and we want to build. Those are the four things I think Our congregation is about. We want to be ones who Yeshua is preeminent. And so our belief is in him. Our trust is in him. He is our Messiah. He has saved us. We are to learn of him. And to continue to nurture a sense of trusting in him ongoing. That means to understand what the word of God says about Yeshua. What it says about how we are to live with him. All of this revolves around the word of God for, for sure. So we want to be believing. We want to be trusting. We want to be faithing, if I could use that word. But we also want to be belonging. We are, as Carlton said, a family of God here at Beth Ariel. We are to belong to one another. We're to be connected to one another. It's not enough just to come and sort of observe. We need to get engaged with one another. And therefore, these home groups, these life groups are one way, one of many ways, in which we can connect and therefore become belonging to. We don't want to become a clique. We want to be a family. We want to love one another. We want to care for one another, not just some in our midst. We don't just want to elevate some. We want all of us to be on an equal playing field as individuals who are part of Beth Ariel and we are brothers and sisters to one another. Our young people as well as our older people, our non-Jews as well as our Jews, we are to be a family and therefore we have to have a sense of belonging to. The other thing is, not only do we want to be believing in and belonging to his family, everything revolves around Yeshua. That's why I said it's in him, it's his family, it's like him, it's his kingdom. Everything is about him. And so we also want to be becoming. We want to be transforming. We want to be growing as believers. That's what discipleship is all about. We want to allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to work together in consort to transform us into the image of Messiah. Messiah. That's what Paul says, all things work together for good, Romans eight twenty eight. to him who is called and loves the Lord and so as to be, he says, conformed to the image of his son. So we are believing, we are a belonging, we are a becoming body of people. And as such, we are to be building his kingdom. Now, I know the word kingdom is a loaded term. Sometimes there are those that say, well, kingdom only refers to the time when Messiah returns and establishes his throne on earth and reigns for a thousand years. And to be sure, I believe the word kingdom does primarily and maybe even exclusively refer to that. I'm using the word kingdom more broadly because when I think about building his kingdom, I don't just mean building up one another, but I also mean getting engaged in our community in ways that we can signal to them that we care about Messiah integrating and sort of um, getting engaged with all kinds of aspects of our society. Maybe there'll be a time where we can have a ministry to the homeless. Sometimes we've had to deal with homeless people who've come into our congregation. Maybe we'll have an opportunity to get involved with people who have need for food. We have uh, Charlene and, and Edward are involved in food pantry type work on Fridays. I would see that when we do that in the name of the Lord, we're building his kingdom. It's not the messianic age, but it is a manifestation of the king's presence in a world where it has some very important, prevalent social needs. So I just said building up his kingdom. So what is our mission to believe, to belong, to become, and to build. When people ask you, so what is Beth Ariel about? We're a congregation, we're a group of people, we belong to one another, we're a family. We believe Yeshua is the Messiah, and through his spirit, I'm becoming more like him, we're all becoming more like him, and we seek to bring him into our world in all kinds of ways. Bringing him into our world that people might be saved, bringing him into our world that people might be helped in one fashion or another. That is what I understand our mission to be as a healthy messianic congregation that is about those four things and so over time we will be reinforcing these ideas and attempting to make them more manifest in our congregation everything takes time and in our congregation there's one full-time employed staff person things take time when you have a body of, of a support team It's a whole different story. Our congregation works with volunteers who have full-time jobs on the side. So everything takes time, but if we work together and we all do a little, we can get a lot accomplished in a short amount of time. Now, Rick Warren, who I agree with in his understanding of what the purposes of any congregation or any church is, are these five. doesn't matter what what it is. The Bible points out these are five responsibilities or purposes for which any body of believers, any congregation, exists. The scriptures are clear. Acts chapter 2 speaks of all five of them. We're here for fellowship, and we are to fellowship with God, which means we need to believe in Him, and we fellowship with one another. We belong to one another. We are to be about discipleship. Discipleship is the means by which we become more like Messiah. We're to be about ministry and service. That has to do with building the kingdom of our Messiah through serving one another. We're to be about outreach, evangelism, sharing with the lost. That's building his kingdom with regard to individuals that we come to know him as Savior. And ultimately, it should lead to worship. That's what every congregation and every individual that knows the Lord must be about. You cannot live the life of a believer in isolation. You have to be in fellowship. You cannot be a believer and not be growing. Because that's what God is doing by His Spirit. He's conforming us. So we have to be experiencing discipleship. You can't be a believer and not be serving. Because the Spirit of God dwells in you, that means he's given you a gift. And that gift or gifts is meant to be used in service, which is another word for ministry. And so if we're believers, we're to be about serving. We can't be believers and not be concerned for the lost. Because Yeshua made it clear, go into all the world and proclaim the good news. Teach all people what I've taught them. Make disciples. Make disciples. Disciples are made by leading people to faith. Do the work of an evangelist, Paul tells to Timothy. And we are sent out. In fact, Yeshua says, even as the Lord has sent me, so send I you. That's the King James. So we are to go. And all of this is to be done to the glory of God. I think Rick Warren hit the nail right on the head when he mentioned these five things. And these five things are what our mission statement is engages. There's the bees, Believing, belonging, becoming, and building. Okay, so now here's my thoughts. So how do we do this? What does God want in order for us to accomplish the mission? And this is what he wants, our lives. So here are some scriptures. I don't want to, I'm not going to like elaborate on a lot of these things. I just sort of want to put some thoughts in our minds to be praying about as we move forward. Because there's a work we are to accomplish as a congregation. And so what does God want? He wants our lives. Deuteronomy says, And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God. By the way, when we get into our home groups, we're going to be using Francis Chan's material. And the first lesson is on the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Unless we fear him, and he'll talk about what fear consists of, We don't even begin to think right. And so here, it is in Deuteronomy, what does the Lord ask of us? Here it is again, to fear him. And once we feared him and he has ministered to our hearts, now we can walk, and notice the use of the word all, walk in all his ways, to love him and serve the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul. In other words, what does God want? Your life, right? He wants all of you. Not just a part of you, not just some times of you, not just this amount of time. He wants all of you. He wants all of us. He wants all of me. Look at verse 16. No servant can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. That's really something to think about. You cannot. He doesn't say you got to be careful because sometimes he says you cannot serve both. And so we have to be mindful. What does God want from us? He wants our lives. Not just part of it, all of it. And therefore, our service must be seen as serving him. And the results is what God provides for us. In Romans chapter 6, it says, Offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death. There it is again. Offer the parts of your body to him. So what is he telling us he wants? He wants all of us. He wants ourselves. He wants our bodies. He wants our thoughts. He wants our desires. He wants us. All of us. And that's what he is working on securing for himself over time. It is a surrendering, a yielding unto him. So what does it take in order for the Lord to get all of us? And it takes essentially, and this stopped working on me here. Oh, there it is. And it takes discipline. So here's what what some of the scriptures say. Train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. The word to train is the word from which we get the word gymnasium from. It's a word that's used of athletes who would train and train and train in order for the uh, athletic event they may encounter. I was reading about some of the training during the Greek Olympics. Many of them trained for 10 months. They just set it Heart, and every day they were in training. And I read that some archaeologists had uncovered some bones and descriptions of some of these athletic events. And one of them was in the Olympics, was boxing. And do you know, I didn't know this, but did you know that in the Olympic boxing matches, they'd wrap their hands with uh, leather straps and over the straps, before they put the straps on, they would put. Metal, in other words, the boxing that went on in the Olympics with the with the uh, in the Greeks was like with brass knuckles. You know, it wasn't just their hands with leather. And these guys went into training to do that, and it was utterly rigorous kinds of stuff. So, how does God get all of us? It's always through rigorous trials, rigorous training that God brings before us. It's not just sort of getting off by ourselves, reading the Bible, praying. It's oftentimes encountering trials and challenges. It's vigorous training. It's intense training. Paul tells us the kind of training he went through with all the challenges he faced in order to become the kind of apostle God would have him to be. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? He says, run in such a way as to get the prize, for everyone who competes in the games goes into strict, Training. So if God's going to get all of us, it's going to require a strict commitment of discipleship to him. In other words, we have to work hard at belonging to one another. Sometimes we don't want to belong to one another for whatever reason. But God is clear. If we're going to become the kinds of men and women God wants us to be, he must have all of us. And if he's going to have all of us, there's going to be strict Commitment and training. And that means making some kinds of sacrifices that are hard to make sometimes. And that is hard sacrifices to get together so we can belong to one another. Hard sacrifices so that we might not do what we would otherwise want to do so that we become more like Messiah. Sometimes we have to share our faith with people we feel a little reticent about sharing with for embarrassment or we don't have the right answers. But we have to build his kingdom. And we have to do the work of an evangelist. So we have to get into training so that we're prepared, it just doesn't happen just like it doesn't just happen for the athlete. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. You know, when those guys trained during the Olympics in the ancient world, they knew exactly how far they had to run. They had things marked with various different blocks of stone and they would run to them and they'd keep time of how fast they were doing this and they would prepare for that race. He says, And I do not fight like a man beating the air. You know what Paul is talking about? He's not talking about shadow boxing in preparation. He's talking about when you get into the ring and you miss your opponent and you, you know, you just hit the air rather than his cheek. So he's saying, what he's saying is, I went into strict training so that like a boxer, when I got in the ring, I didn't miss my opponent, but rather I hit him each time. I went into strict training so that when I went into the ministry God had called me to, I would not miss what God wanted me to do. He's not talking about failing because many times he felt he had failed. What he's talking about is doing what God would call him to do and enduring what it is God called him to do. Some might have thought Paul being in prison was a failure. But because of Paul's strict training, he knew he was there by the hand of God. But it wasn't an easy place to be, but his strict training enabled him to endure it, to persevere in it, and to succeed in doing what God would have him do in that environment. So he says, I make my body a slave so that after I have preached to others, I would not be disqualified from the prize God would grant me. In Hebrews, he says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those that have gone on before us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles us. Let us run with perseverance. So let us run full steam ahead in the mission God has called us. Let's run full steam ahead in believing what God has in store for us. Let's run full steam ahead with belonging to one another. Let's get on board and make it as much as we can a priority to gather together as Carlton and Andrew have been encouraging us to do. Let us run as hard as we can to build God's kingdom and to become like Messiah so we will build his kingdom well. That we would build it not on sand, as Yeshua tells us, but on the solid rock who is Messiah himself. So why should we do this? Why should we give all of ourselves to him? Why should we put ourselves through such rigorous and strict training? Because of Messiah. Because he did the same for us. You know, he went through strict training. It says, every morning the Lord woke him morning by morning in Isaiah 55 and taught him the word taught him what he was to accomplish. Therefore, he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. I've come not to do my will, but the will of the one who had sent me. And so that is why we want to give him our lives and why we're willing to get into a strict, rigorous, disciplined training so that we can build well and build a solid foundation that will last for a long time to come. So why should we do this? 2 Corinthians says, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We want to give him our lives because we're to live for him. Why are we to live for him? Because he died for us, and he thus lives for us as well. Romans 12 says, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, but look at this, holy and pleasing to God, The word that Paul uses here in offering is the word that is used for the Levites when they would offer the sacrifices. Just as they would offer it as an a aspect of worship and praise, we're to offer our lives to the Lord in worship and praise. And so, in conclusion, this is my prayer. And it's taken from Habakkuk. Habakkuk's prayer is really about the Messianic age, particularly. But... I want to share it with regard to where Beth Ariel goes from here. What does the future hold for us? And so Habakkuk prays, Lord, I have heard of your fame. Now there's a prophet who's speaking of that. We too have heard of God's fame. Not just heard of it, but we've given heed to it. Just like the Shema "Hear, O Israel, it means give heed to this, O Israel. Pay attention to this. When it says that we have heard of your fame, we've paid attention To your fame. We know what a great God you are. And therefore I stand in awe. There's the fear of the Lord again. We come back to it as the beginning of wisdom. It's where we start. I stand in awe of what you do, O Lord. And so his prayer is renew them in our day. In our time. Make them known. So that's my prayer. That the great things God has done. As you survey your own life. The great things God has done in your life and the great things God has done in your life through other people. It's my prayer that in our time, in our experience, in our moving forward, we will be that to others and we will experience God's great power and might in a similar way. And so let us, just to remind us, we're to become a healthy Messianic congregation that believes in Yeshua that belongs to his family, that is becoming like Messiah, and that is building his kingdom. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. We are grateful, Father, for the great provision you have provided for us. We are thankful for New Life Church. We pray your blessing upon them. We ask, Lord, that you would increase their fold and that you would increase their service and their ministry. We pray, Lord, that you would be responsive to your promise. I will bless them that bless thee, and the church here has greatly blessed your people. So I pray, Father, your blessings will fall mightily upon them. We also are grateful, Lord, for the provision you have provided for us. And thus, Lord, we pray that we might see your great work as we have read in the past. We read of your mighty deeds, especially recently as we celebrate Passover. May you manifest such mighty deeds like that in our own ministry here at Beth Ariel. And as we move forward, as you would lead us and you would guide us. Father, we commend our ministry to you. We dedicate it, rededicate it to your service. And in order to do that, we need to dedicate ourselves to you as well. So, Father, may we indeed give you our whole lives. May we, Father, devote ourselves to strict training that we would become more like Messiah and do the things you've called us to do. And then, Father, may we always be reminded that we do this because of what you have done for us. We praise you, our Lord, we worship you, and we thank you, for we pray in Messiah's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our message. We hope that it serves to encourage you in your walk with the Lord and your service to him. Do remember us in your prayers.